Meanwhile, at Manage Comics, coming to you from a secret underground lair, these dedicated heroes discuss the business of comics, industry news, comic book retail issues, and the latest developments from Manage Comics. They are promoters of comics, champions of small business, and four-color heroes. They are the Manage Comics Team. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Meanwhile at Manage Comics. It is Thursday, February 2nd, 2023. I, as always, am your host, Brian Garside, and with me with me is my partner in crime, Ivan Wine. I like how that rhymes, by the way. My partner in crime, Ivan Wine. I mean, I talked to my parents about that to make sure. Good, good. I'm glad glad you did. Yeah, that really worked out. 48 well. years in the making, but you know, totally worth it. <laughs> All right, this week we are going to talk about Tilting at Windmills, Brian Hibbs' latest column uh, talking about um, what's wrong with the periodical. And it was an interesting article because um, I don't often agree with Brian Hibbs' uh, stuff, but I found myself agreeing with a lot more of it than um, I normally would. But uh, when we jump right into a couple of things we're going to talk about. So let's uh, let's start out in the data mines where you live, Ivan. Um, this was kind of a, a sudden thing that happened today. We uh, we just found out that PRH now carries Kodansha and Vertical. Vertical, yeah. Um, and they use two different names for both of them. Yeah, which is great. So what we're finding out is that every single distributor uses different names for the... Uh, for the publishers they carry and that causes some problems for us because um, we're expecting certain terms so that we can normalize all the names um, what's fun is when like someone like penguin decides they're going to use two different names of their own i mean there's two cadanches and there's two verticals that they use they're completely different from what diamond uses well, and that's why we have to normalize everything because there's no consistency sometimes even within the distributors. And then they also will sub imprint some things to such a, a degree that it's just kind of not feasible for us to, to have publishers displayed that way. Um, so yeah, we kind of normalize things down a little bit, but yeah, they are not even consistent internally. Um, even, even uh, diamond went from, you know, Marvel to now it's Marvel PRH. Uh, they sometimes call Scout Scout Comics. Sometimes they just call it Scout. So yeah, it's each one of those would be an individual publisher. So we have a whole normalization routine. But yeah, we didn't know that uh, PRH was making these two guys available. So I'm going to be reaching out to my friends at PRH and I'll, I'll reach out to Lunar too and just let them know like when you're adding people, d publishers, let us know so that we can make them available for your stores. Yeah, it's it's happened. Um, I can think of four times in the past three months. I think. Yeah. That I've I've realized all of a sudden. Oh wow! So yeah, um, Lunar now carries so and so and so and so. I need to go update that. Well, and sometimes the publishers just change their own name, right? What was that? The one, the Behemoth. The oh hell! Uh, well, Behemoth, and then there was the. Uh, is that one that a music label owns? Yeah, yeah. That's they the changed. One that really they changed their whole overall name, which meant 
they went into other publishers all of a sudden, which is not fun. Opus, Opus and something Opus. else. Yeah. 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 That was yeah. a fun rabbit hole. But the good thing about that is now I know how to fix the stuff like what happened today in a matter of minutes as opposed to a couple of days. It's like um, it's like vaccinations, right? You yeah. know, we, we give you these small little pains so that overall everything gets better. Yeah, it's great. The first time it happened, I spent two weeks sick, but now, you know, I'm just, it's just a little prick. Exactly. <laughs> well, on that note, let's talk a, a word from our sponsor. This week, even though they're not really technically a sponsor, as in they're not paying us, but I am promoting them. Um, we are going to be at the Comics Pro well, you. meeting. Well, yeah, I should say me, not, not Ivan. Wasn't in the budget this time to do both of us. Um, yeah, so I'll be at the Comics Pro comic industry meeting on February 23rd to 25th, uh, which means Ivan will be manning the fort back uh, at the home fires. All solo for a couple days there, bud. Yeah, I'll know. try not to upload the wrong catalog this time. It's gonna be, and it will be catalog time. That The Friday is of like, course. that Friday is literally the worst day of the week for us to have one of us out. So um, I'll try and make myself available for a bit of it. Um, yeah, so if you're a comic retailer, uh, you should look into this. Definitely, comicspro.org. Um, the retailers that we speak to say that it's the best 72 hours that they spend in a year. So um, give it a shot. Moving right along, our industry news feature this week is Brian Hibbs's Tilting at Win Windmills column from The Beat. Um, I actually reached out to Heidi and, and told her that we were going to be doing this and, and kind of deep diving on this uh, this column. So hopefully she's uh, in the audience listening. And, and if not, maybe she's listening to the repeat. Um, yeah. So this is not a new topic. Um, we've seen this a number of times. And in fact, I think Brian's gone here a few times just in the last few months. He wrote an article, I want to say three months ago, that was like the... I didn't leave the floppy, the floppy left me or something like that, uh, where he was kind of going into some of these points, but he, they were a little more, they're a little more streamlined this time. So when we went through the article, I came up with nine kind of focus points. And one of them is actually something that he had mentioned in literally the article before this that he kind of touched on briefly here. So I gave it its own, uh, own thing. Really, there's 10 things, but we count one of them as a 4.5. So um, his first assertion is there's too many titles. There's too many titles and too much overproduction. Marvel currently has 67 distinct series with 229 total periodicals. What he considers a periodical is a cover. Um, and he's absolutely right. There are 229 um, total covers in the January uh, previews. February, I think, has 226 from what I remember looking at. In the DC had 49 distinct series with 197 total periodicals. Um, I think the February was, it was a little less. It was 47 distinct series. And I think I counted 176 total covers. Um, there were 24 Batman series, five different Avengers series. That may be overkill. I'm, I'm probably not the best one to judge, but uh, yeah, I can see how that could be seen as overkill. The The catalog is unwieldy and always has been. Um, but yeah, Marvel and DC alone seem to be 
really kind of overdoing it with a, a lot of stuff. This is also something we'll get into in a couple slides. Um, both Alien Number Six and Alien Number One are currently available for subscription if you're a customer because Alien Number Six hasn't come out and Alien Number One, the new series, um, will be coming out soon. So Marvel uh, kind of gets crazy with this. Ivan, what do you think about the overproduction of, of titles? Do you you think that it's a big problem? You you manage a store. Do you think that? I mean, it's, there's no way a shop the size that our shop was, it still is, but I'm not part of it, so uh, could come close to ordering all of those. So, I mean, I guess it's nice in a way that people have options, but it's not very feasible. And then it kind of makes it, I think, a little bit daunting for people who are new who want to try to get into it. Uh, it becomes a thing that's just really something that speculators have any interest in it. And it's, it becomes uh, a pain point for a lot of the regular customers and the uh, the uh, shop owners to be able to try to stay on top of this, the, all the information and getting the covers in for people. Yeah, absolutely. Danica says, uh, always fun to explain Marvel scheduling for customers, especially when you have a series ending and a series beginning, you know, a couple weeks later. Um, with our old system, we had built in a, a little kind of feature so that you could, as an admin, we could kind of merge titles together. So like Guardians of the Galaxy, when it ended, we could change the series code and have the new Guardians of the Galaxy and we wouldn't overlap anything. But what ended up happening pretty quickly was like Guardians of the Galaxy would end two weeks before the new issue began. And that just plays havoc because like the dates were all screwed up. So yeah, it was uh, it was not fun. Michael Miller says, what about the mutant titles in Marvel? Three full shelves in my store. Mutants have always been a problem. But yeah, like, well, I, I think a big one is um, Avengers currently has five different series running and like a bunch of different one shots. I counted like three different one shots that were coming out. Oh, uh, one shots are a different or a different tile. Hold on they, to that. They are, but I mean they, not I'm saying there's a tile that's coming out. Hold on to that. I, I they <laughs> kind of fit into this a little bit in that distinct series with Marvel especially don't seem to like they end and then they'll do a one shot after it of the kind of the the wrap up to that story. Um and that just adds to confusion because it doesn't have the same series code as the rest of the series. So how do you rack that? How do you fulfill it for subscribers? Yeah, it's like in the nineties with the, all the, the half issues and the zero issues and everything that image did say, so, well, well where, where does this go in the gen 13 pile? The, the, the big one that I remember like from my time as a, a retailer was um, it was the same month that, well, actually, one that's just a couple months, a couple of years ago is um, the X Men Red Planet one shot, I think, which was written by Hickman. And like that was part of that X Men run, but it had its own series code. So it was technically not. So yeah, it's, uh, and it says my A and B shelf is packed and it always looks awful. Too many Avengers, too much Batman. 
too much amazing spider-man too that would also be on your a shelf yeah totally agree uh so the second point was overproduction of variant covers there's 3.5 variant covers for every marvel book dc is at nearly four variant covers per book according to brian um and then you get like boom and uh idw well not not idw so much but boom and uh dynamite with you know going all the way to the letter p looping back around on the alphabet to aa and ab covers um so much so that both boom and dynamite do an entirely different thing with the last five digits of a uh, upc code than anybody else does but this was from the february 23 dc catalog um, this is actually one of the one of the little charts at the end of the catalog. So it actually they have like little icons that go next to all the titles to show you how many variant covers. So items with one variant cover, two, three, four, five, and eight variant covers this month. So items with one just one variant cover that means they have an A cover and a B cover. There were four of those. A, B, and C. There were fourteen of those. A, B, C, sorry, that, yeah, A, B, C. So A, B, C, D covers, there were six. A, B, C, D, E covers, there were seven. A, B, C, D, E, F covers, there were eight. And I'm going to have to use my fingers for this one. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H covers, there's one, and that's Superman. Um, but when you're getting down to like the five covers, we're talking things like Flash 798 and Wonder Woman, uh, sorry, 797, I think it is, and Wonder Woman 798, and they have five covers. Now, I know Flash has sold out for the One Minute War, the first couple, you know, things in that, but I can't believe that Flash can support five covers at scale. So, in the middle of a series. Yeah, right? Uh, if it's a big thing, if it's a, if it's a, a new writer storyline, whatever I can see coming out with a bunch of different covers, but yeah. So yeah, the only books that in the catalog that didn't have variant covers were like Looney Tunes and there, and a couple others. There, there were like literally, I think three comics that didn't have at least one variant cover. Um, can I say having title 2022 and title 2023 is excellence to have on managed comics oh thank you yeah because we we recently updated the uh series names so that they actually have the bracket uh of what year they came out in um we may have to do some manual tinkering around with with stuff that was released kind of the end of november december last year that will actually or sorry that was solicited november december that will actually come out in 2023 um but we'll kind of go over those in, in the next little while um Danica also says O'Brien ASM goes under S. I don't mess with descriptive <laughs> descriptively alphabetically. Uh, I love it. We had the discussion uh discussion briefly last week about uh uh, uh housing. Not housing, uh blah, 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 hellblazer, blah. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Where hellblazer fits in the grand scheme of things. So I think variant covers are, are definitely a problem. Um they were driven a lot during the pandemic by kind of speculator folks who are starting to to wane off so it'll be interesting to see what happens with variant covers i think a and b covers are here to stay for better or worse 
which is um, fine. I'm, I, I'm completely okay with that. And, you know, you have your customers, we've discussed before, the DC customers, they always want the cardstock cover. Cool. Yeah, and that, that makes sense. Especially, like, DC feels like there's a significant difference between the A and B cover. And we'll get into pricing in a little bit, but that's a good way for DC to get an extra dollar um, on the cover price. And honestly, it seems reasonable because the the paper stock is significant. It it feels nice. Um, so yeah, it kind of makes sense. Um, incessant starting and numbering, renumbering of series. Jumping on points are now becoming jumping off points. Old versions of a series become unsellable. Collected editions become harder to rack. I think these are all amazing points. And, um, you know, specifically with jumping on and jumping off points, uh, you know, anecdotally, my own experience is that when a series ends, that's a perfect point for me to break that habit. Um, and so in managed comics, we've done some stuff so that you can clone, uh, old customers into a new series, which really helps with kind of that continuity thing, but there's still kind of an onus on the retailer to, to keep track of those things and, and maintain them. Yeah. Like, um, Kal-El or son of Kal-El or yeah, son of Kal-El becoming, the John Kent Superman six issue miniseries, which you know is going to become another six issue miniseries at some point. It it seems like the renumbering is kind of it's almost at at hyper critical levels at this point. Also, X Men, like what's going on with X Men this week? Yeah. <laughs> what renumbering are we at? Yeah, it's um I, I just noticed too that there's a new 007 series, and I wonder like what kind of attrition are you going to have for things like that where where uh, the numbers change so quickly? I think this whole point about old versions of a series becoming unsellable um, is really, really interesting because, you know, when, when you're in ASM, the new ASM series, and you're, what are we, like, I want to say 13 issues in, it gets really confusing when somebody walks up to a back issue bin and, and is looking to grab the first 12 issues and grabs the first 12 issues of the wrong amazing Spider-Man uh, and figuring that out is, is really hard. And here I'm supposed to be a, a data pro and I, I sometimes catch myself going into geek fetch to fix things like the uh, issue number 19 problem we had today, this morning. Yeah. And, almost editing a, a series from two years ago i've done that so many times i've done that with i just did that with x force a little while ago i accidentally renamed a whole bunch of them to the current the the most recent series and i was totally wrong um charles lepage says restarting and renumbering really becomes confusing when you want to read those series in order absolutely and jeff says organizing for the Sucks for organizing in the bins. Brainwave relaxation says, look, I, bottom line is I don't mind if publishers want to do one variant cover, but let it be incentivized. Example, $3.99 regular cover or a variant by an iconic artist like Neil Adams, Bernie Wrightson, et cetera, $5.99. Yeah, and I don't I don't know that, you know, how they do it is important. It's it's like we just need to get the SKUs down. There's so many SKUs. <laughs> and it's become really impossible for a retailer to figure out 
how many copies of of you know cover H they want. Um, Danica says Marvel is really bad for restarting series with the same name and the same teams. Squirrel Girl, anyone? Captain Marvel? Or yeah, the the most recent um, Ms. Marvel like one shots, which we'll get to in a couple seconds. That's a whole other issue, and and they seem to have no discernible reason why they're one shots and not a series. And they don't do anything to help with the way they do the trades when they come out either. Yeah. Like, no, exactly. To figure out the the Black Panther trade organization. I I spent the better part of an afternoon trying to organize those properly and never did it to where I felt comfortable. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, number four, the number of miniseries focused on characters with ongoing series. So the obvious examples of this are Batman um, and Harley Quinn, which seem to, so Harley Quinn always seems to have another miniseries going on with her ongoing series, which, you know, doesn't seem to make it past about 50 issues. So, and then Batman, I just pulled up the Batman um, page on Managed Comics and I was inundated with about, about 25, I think, Batman miniseries that are currently ongoing. Um, well, DC is what, 60, at least 65% Batman? It, it, well, honestly, I think it's, I think it's 20, 25% of all titles are, are Batman focused. But then you've got like Justice League and stuff like that, which are Batman, you know, adjacent. Um, when Suicide Squad was out, there was Suicide Squad, The Blaze, and and Get Joker all at the same time. And I remember my son wanted to read a Suicide Squad uh, comic, and because I'm a terrible father who lets him, you know, read things he probably shouldn't be reading, uh, we were trying to figure out which one was kind of the current Suicide Squad series, and we ended up leaving with nothing because we couldn't figure it out. Uh, and I do this for a living. This yeah. is my job. Yeah. Imagine how opaque it is for anyone else. Right. Uh, um, aggressively Relaxing says, I'm as annoyed as the next person, but if Marvel asked me if I want a number one and 20 variants on my new Spider-Man, I'm going to say yes. And I, uh, I get that too. The variants really do sell more books. And Danica says, I totally get that, Jeff. I was refer referencing the Deconic run a few years back. Oh, that was the, sorry, that was about something entirely different. The the Captain Marvel stuff. Um, yeah, I know variants do sell more books, um, but I think, I think we could have fewer variants without making quite so much mess. That's my theory anyway. I don't know. I, I mean, I would never have done this. For example, Marvel publishing miniseries as a series of unconnected number ones. Peach Momoko's Demon Days is a great example of this. There's what one, two, three, four, five, six different Demon Days series or one shots. And they were originally solicited as a six issue miniseries. And then they became these crazy one shot things um, that were totally unconnected. And I'll tell you, looking at the, the numbers that we see from subscriptions, um, those numbers for the later volumes fell through the floor. 
And I think it's because people didn't know what they were getting anymore. Um, well, it's yeah. crazy in July with Moon Knight and Venom and I think Captain Marvel. Well, there was also the Captain Marvel or the Ms. Marvel one shots recently with like, that's what it was. yeah, that, Girl and yeah. I mean, so many people had issues with that trying to get that straight for their subscribers. Um, Brainwave Relaxation says, based on your experience with the back end data you've had access to, how many comic shops truly stock all co copies of the covers? It's virtually an impossible endeavor along with SKU management. Yeah, absolutely. Like what we see is that the majority of stores will order most covers strictly for subscribers. So if people aren't pre-ordering those individual covers, then they're not getting ordered. And with a lot of the covers, you know, the art doesn't even show up until after FOC in some cases. I don't know if those things are getting ordered at all. And we'd have to do Sometimes some well after FOC. Oh, it's insane. And even you can have a cover image at FOC that is entirely different than the print image. Not to mention that trade dress is normally missing from most covers at FOC. It's pretty rare where we see the the logo and you know all the UPC information on a cover at FOC. Um, sometimes so, they take the art and the art and completely switch covers. Like the cover C, we've changed your mind, and that's now cover F. Oh yeah, and when that happens, it's like and I remember that happened with like a Wolverine um, about a year ago, and it was like not just that, but they also changed that. I think the the other cover was a Tim Vigil one. And they made that like a like a one in ten variant or one in a hundred variant, and then the opposite cover. No, I think it was it was um, Kevin Eastman on Wolverine. I'm pretty sure. And they made that open order, and it was originally like the one in ten variant. So that that just changes numbers, even. Yeah. Um, did I did I say Jeff's Demon Days would sell more if they were in a series? It just confuses everybody. 100 percent absolutely and i'm i don't understand why marvel does this especially demon days and ms marvel um those are two things you got peach momoko who people just love and would pick up that as a series and ms marvel like the people that love ms marvel love ms marvel and will follow her so i don't get it i wish there were variants that gave money towards some sort of creator retirement plan well, I think, uh, and that's from aggressively relaxing. I think, you know, that's a whole other conversation to have about, um, you know, comic creators and, and how they're basically just uh, paid freelancers for sure. Jeff says we stock all Marvel and DC covers on the shelves as deep as they go, Jeff. Cause like with Superman, I think we're up to the letter P um that's interesting that you you go that deep especially you know the the one in 100 variants and stuff like that i'd really be interested in seeing how that works out for you uh pricing and periodicals so brian's thing was that uh 3.99 is becoming the standard 4.99 through 9.99 is something marvel and dc do often um so superman number one and i checked one two and three are all at a base 499 cover uh, and the cardstock cover B's are going to be 599. I think we're seeing 399 as the standard pricing. Even Saga is finally breaking the 299 to 399 barrier. 
the loan holdout is spawn at 299 still. Um, but I think 399 will be the standard by the end of the year if it's not already. I I understand his his complaint that you know increased price is 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 harder for people to absorb, but at the same time, you know, the price of pretty much everything has gone up recently. So yeah, I mean, if they start reducing the number of pages by twenty percent, like they do the uh, amount of Wheaties you get in a box of cereal, that will be more of a problem. But I mean, the fact that they're increasing the, the cover price—I mean, that's what are you going to do? Yeah, and and the the uh, page count has maintained kind of a standard twenty-four to forty pages. I I think these Superman issues are thirty-two pages, but I don't know off the top of my head. Brainwave Relaxation says, I say publishers should go back to newspaper quality on a regular cover. Price pointed at $199, then do the variant cover cardstock, $399 to $599. That would really boost sales. So I don't know that comic stores could afford a $199 cover price. Um, that means that they're going to be getting a buck per comic, and it's pretty hard to make a living off of a dollar uh, these days, even 2 and $3. You think that the the shops get things for 50 percent off um that makes it pretty the weight hard. of the paper probably i don't know I'd, I'd, I'd have to scientifically check it out but i would think the weight of the book wouldn't be that much different either it's not and with shipping the way it is now yeah plus the thinner paper leads to a higher uh chance of there being issues with the uh, with them wrinkling and damaging in uh transit so i'd be through the roof just yeah. just the printing damages would be through the roof i don't think it would actually decrease it to 199 even if you had um paper stock just looking at um i remember the kirby omnibuses that were all printed on newsprint um the the errors in those things was it was the highest i've ever seen in in trade paperbacks and those things already went through some sort of quality control but we saw tons of like little nicks and things like that just the paper is is too fragile at that point i think um the radical lowering of wholesale discounts to retailers so the penguin random house standard discount is 50 percent off um in the old days a lot of shops could get a 55 to to like 40 59% discount from diamond um but Simon has a real sliding scale and it's like the big publishers were that high discount. But as you get back further in the catalog, you can be at a 40 to 50% discount pretty quickly because um, it's kind of based on the number of copies towards the back of the catalog that you're ordering. But yeah, by by like the, the front of the catalog, it was not hard when I ran a shop to hit, we were, I think at 57 or 58% discount, um, which wasn't hard. That's a lot harder now with, you know, the majority of the product, uh, the products being split amongst different distributors. But when you look at PRH and you get free shipping from Penguin Random House, um, that's a big chunk, especially if you're not physically close to one of the warehouses. Um, Lunar's sliding scale is based off of six months sales. Um, and then they, they kind of redo their sale, their discounting tiers every six months. So it can be a while before your, uh, your lunar discount changes, 
but their discount I think goes up to 55%. Um, diamond with PRH, I believe is at 44%. If you're still ordering your diamond stuff through or your Marvel stuff through diamond, uh, and IDW as well. So yeah, those are definitely things to consider. Plus you're paying shipping on your, your diamond orders. Yeah, that's, that's a big one. And shipping has increased dramatically, which actually cuts into your discount. So that, that 58% discount when your shipping goes up by 14%, um, which accounts for, you know, 10% of your overall, uh, bill that can really eat in. And, and as a Canadian, um, our bills were crazy for shipping, uh, back. And that was before the gas crises and everything. So I can't imagine what they're looking at. Ours were pretty crazy. And that was, here in the US. Yeah. Um, number seven, FOC date slipper slipping. So this was something he had actually mentioned in a previous column that he kind of touched on a little bit in this one. Um, FOC dates have slipped to four weeks from Marvel and can be as much as nine weeks out. And what we were seeing when Amazing Spider-Man came out, number two had just hit shelves and they were already FOCing issues five uh four five and six um which is insane like you don't have sales data on the second issue which is going to have significantly higher sales than you know a fourth um issue and you're supposed to make guesses on these non-returnable products i think that's something that really needs to get honed back in uh the ideal would be three weeks so that you've got at least one week of full sales data of the previous issue. Um, but yeah, since, since the whole supply chain shortage and everything, um, we've really seen this slip back quite a bit. FOCs, were they a big thing for you? Uh, as, as far as ordering? Yeah, like honing in on your orders and making sure your numbers were right. Well, I mean, especially with the new series. Yeah. Because you there were a few where you had no idea that they were going to be big and they turned out like I, I remember uh, one of the last ones before uh, I left that shop was uh, the nice house on the lake. Yeah. And I thought it sounded cool. Uh, sure. I'll, um, I'll take a chance. There's so many that uh, I had so much leeway on what I could order for the shelf versus subscribers. Saying, uh, you know what? Yeah. I'll, I'll order uh, several more than I normally would. But then the second issue it comes around to ordering that it's like well how many do i order because you have this thing where the book comes out it takes people to a, a while to talk to their friends and find out it's yeah. cool and then the second one doesn't necessarily sell that well and then it's by the third one is like is it going to be is it taking off is it going to be big or is it going to drop out so it, it because of that three-week gap between each one yeah it is, it's a difficult game especially when they they shift dates yeah yeah for sure well and like action comics i think it will be an interesting thing because 1051 sold crazy um really really well to the point where they've got a second printing going and, and they overprinted that i think so yeah, it'll be interesting to see you know what happens with 1052 and and beyond um this one i don't um, i'm a, i'm of two minds with this one i don't think it's as big a deal as um, what, what Brian seems to think, but the moving target of street dates, I think DC being Tuesday and Wednesday for everyone else is just confusing. 
I think DC was just being our shop didn't do it. Yeah. And, and you know what, I would say half of the stores that we talked to don't do it. Um, but half of them do. And they, they say that it, it really helps out on Tuesdays. Um, yeah. And then there's the other part is stores are putting books out on shelves ahead of street dates and breaking street dates. And what Brian says is that when, um, rule abiding stores are following street dates and the outlaws put stuff out that it, it really makes the rule abiding ones suffer. Um, I wonder too, how much of that is, is on purpose and how much of it is accidental because man, it would get confusing with the number of things that come in. Well, I'll be honest. Uh, our lunar shipment almost routinely came in the Wednesday before. Right. And in, and in almost an entire, like six days before street date. Yeah. So it would have been pretty simple. And there was a few times we almost did put out the wrong. I would have to put on huge letters on the side of the box to do not put this out. No, absolutely. So you can't, you can't actually check that stuff in until closer to street date. And yeah, it's, that's such a, that's a problem because there's so much stuff going into a comic store these days. It's not like five years ago. Like I, I talk to retailers regularly who say they're getting three and four shipments a day of, you know, five and six items or th today it's going to be 150 items. Tomorrow it's 22 items. It's just constantly happening. Um, I didn't, uh, I haven't followed up on this a little bit, but got a couple Michael Miller says, my new comics day is Wednesday for everything. Uh, that's Oxford Comics and Games, by the way. I've John at uh, JAS Comics says we didn't. I think he means we we didn't uh, do Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Danica says we're closed on Tuesdays, but even if we were open, we'd ha I'd have kept it all on Wednesday. Why well, here's the thing. I don't well, you go ahead. To come in twice a week if they don't make that show, choice themselves or if they're across the city and it's a bit of a trek. Absolutely. Exactly. Here's the thing. I mean, if you have people who are mostly DC customers, sure, your Tuesday is going to be great because all those DC guys come in and they're not going to be in the next day for their Marvel. But who's going to come in two days in a row necessarily to pick up their big poll if it's if they have Marvel and DC? Most people I know would just hold off and wait till Tuesday and wait till Wednesday so they can get their entire poll. Yeah, absolutely. Jeff says uh, we just do Wednesday as well. Unless they wanted an excuse to come grab a beer, which right. they would be doing anyway. <laughs> absolutely. Um, yeah, so I I don't know that the breaking of street date, I, I, I get it. It's, it's a big deal when it's a big book. I think it's probably happening more often inadvertently than on purpose. Um, and I know it can be a problem. I think the, the big issue is it, there should just be one day. It simplifies marketing and comics have such a huge marketing problem, which we'll get to in a couple seconds. Um, video games, DVDs, I mean, everyone knows it. Tuesday. Right. Yeah. And so it was comic, it was Wednesday and it should always be Wednesday. Um, so this is my favorite one and I'm going to go long on this one. We're already at 42 minutes. This is not the tight 30 that I like to be. Um, very little consumer uh, sorry, to consumer promotion and marketing. This drives me 
absolutely up the wall. The new catalog came out last week. I just went on Bleeding Cool. And the very first story, no, sorry, is this? Yeah, this is Bleeding Cool. First story in the comic section, Scarlet Witch will end Peach Momoko's Demon Days at Marvel. That book will not be solicited till the end of February. A customer cannot come in right now and say, I would like to get the new Peach Momoko Demon Days, which by the way is one shot. If it was just a miniseries, wouldn't be a problem. But no, I want the one shot. Well, I, I'm sorry, I can't put that aside for you because there's no solicitation information whatsoever for this right now. So of these like six stories, four of them are about books that will not even come out for another four months. Right now, we should be focusing all of our marketing power on the catalog that came out one week ago. And publishers, stop it. Just stop it. <laughs> Do not tell people about something that a store cannot reserve right now. End of story. End it. Make yeah, it I've, I've had I've had discussions with my customers when I ran a shop. I had discussions with my customers about this because uh, I had one guy who was he was one of our our whales that he ordered a lot of stuff and he was into a lot of different things. And there'd be I'm going to make this up. It'd be like a, a Rom Space Night compendium they'd announce in June that wasn't going to be coming out until December. And he wanted it, and it'd be a limited run, of course, because it's like this big hardback thing, right? So, but by the time it got to where it was listed, where he could order it, he long forgot about it because he has 50,000 other things on his mind. So that's a really great point. And there's actually a solution for that. In the book trade, they actually put out solicitations before, like well before something's going to be available. And so there are solicitations for a lot of Marvel and DC stuff right now that we could have on Managed Comics right now for things that won't be published for another year. Um, that big, huge, you can probably see it. Who's Who, the red one. Um, I had that solicitation information for the second volume of Who's Who literally weeks after the first volume came out because Penguin Random House made that stuff available to us. They could be doing that. And I feel like trades and that kind of stuff, like omnibuses, those are almost a different um, thing. And I think that information needs to get to retailers as soon as it has to especially because it's a print a limited print run and right. they want to make sure they have enough printed for the people that want it today so it would stand the reason that they, let's get as much money as we can yeah no i i think that totally makes sense they need to do that okay so i'm just going to go back through the uh, chat we've got um the amount of times i've had people Asks to add something to their file the day it's announced. Um, Danica, eye rolls. <laughs> Absolutely. But, I mean, to be fair to the customer, this stuff should be available in Managed Comics the day it's announced. The second that Peach Momoko's newest Explain date is to, to the customer, well, there's a thing called an FOC date. Yeah. And this is how right? the FOC date works. You know and and there's an initial order date. Math, and, Ivan. Is, and this is how the initial order date works. And... One's a month and one's three weeks, and then but then there's this, yeah. I mean, I I had it down to a pattern, like like a pro magician, or like, oh blah 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 blah, and then but then the Fortnite Batman books came out. Oh, I know, and right? Everything just went into the. And now every single yeah yeah, Jeff says uh, agree frustrating. Patrick Brower <laughs> from Challengers Conversation <laughs> says, "Oh my brother, testify." <laughs> I love those Fortnite says, books. Hey, Patrick. 
And Michael Miller says, my problem has been the other side. I don't get promotional materials like posters until after the comics. Absolutely. That's yeah. insane. So my my thing right now is like, where's the promotion for Superman number one that's coming out in a couple of weeks? No, we're going to we're going to talk about Return of the Justice League right now. That's not going to happen until the end of 2023 when you have a Superman comic that I think has like 14 friggin covers on it. Like, come on. This is just insane. <laughs> Danica says, I agree. It should be on managed comics. You're part of the process and it only builds sales. If we have ways to put things on a code, even before, if we have ways to put even the code on someone's file. Absolutely. I agree. Yeah. It builds better goodwill between your customers and the shop and the distributor and everyone else. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, Danica also says exactly, Michael. What good is a poster after that comes out after FOC? After hey, FOC. everyone has a locker that needs to be covered with something sometime, right? That's <laughs> the only reason they make. Uh, so yeah, we want to hear what your thoughts are. So so hit us up at uh, geez, I should get a meanwhile at managedcomics.com uh, address. I can have that done in five minutes after we're done here. Hit us up at meanwhile at managedcomics.com if you got questions. Just wait five minutes until after this airs so that I can create that. Um, but yeah, we want to hear what your thoughts are and what you think about, um, you know, all these things that Brian talked about. So I'll uh, include a link in the show notes to this. And I think there actually is a link right now in the show notes to the column. Give it a read uh, and let us know what your thoughts are. So let's really quickly, I'm going to go into total promo mode about what we're doing at Managed Comics. Let you guys know this is already 48 minutes, which is way over my tight 30. <laughs> tight 30. <laughs> um, so we just did an update last night. Taras and I put out a whole bunch of stuff. Um, we now have a universal distribution check-in, which I'm having a conversation with Alessandro from Universal this week. And I'm hoping that they'll have their universal files ready for you guys to use. But we actually have all the work done on our end to make them available. So as soon as they're available for you to upload, um, Canadian folks that are using universal distribution, you'll have a super easy check-in from now on. Um, there was a really weird bug with active subscriber accounts and the discounts that were shown on the all customers page. Um, it was showing a wrong number so we went ahead and fixed that. Um, the, the discount was being correctly tallied for the check-in. It was just looking wrong on the customer's page. So we fixed that guy. There was a weird initial order download um, issue where it was, it was also presenting uh, zeros on initial orders. I swear it didn't used to do this, but it was doing it recently. So we just removed any items that had zeros. Um, Alt and title fixes on the customer facing pages. So for accessibility reasons, we made sure there's um, alt and, and titles there. And we created a download data file CSV for Manus Comics classic customers on the check-in page. Um, so at the end of it, when you create your pull list, there's a new uh, check-in file there that you can check out. And our biggest change ever is our new order history that's going to be on the ordering page. Um, it'll have a whole ton of information there about sales and everything. I actually 
tried to test this in QA and I don't have the right data. So we've actually moved it to production and I've got it on a hidden URL that I'm going to share with some of my friends to get you guys to look at it. Um, right now it is not doing what I want it to do even on production. So I need to get that kind of figured out before I, I give this, uh, to folks, but we definitely have been working on this, um, since I think November last year, it's a, it's a huge piece of the pie and, uh, it's going to be a big change for everybody. All right, let's see. Oh, there we go. And what is kind of coming up next? So this week, um, Natalia is working on PRH initial order text file. So it'll uh, your PRH stuff will actually come up in a text box that you'll be able to copy and paste into PRH's stuff. I didn't actually know that PRH's system was so different until Ivan pointed it out a few weeks ago. So we've well, I that. first pointed it out back in June. <laughs> Patrick Brower says, I'm your friend. Very excited for this. <laughs> I know. I mean, because I remember having to open up the CSV and, and copy, paste, and then you got to take out the zero. So, yeah, that's why I was like, whoa, now that I have, now that I work here um, and I have the ear of. <laughs> pa Patrick was actually talking about the initial orders. You're on my list, Patrick. Don't worry. Oh, well, um, pretty much everybody that's, that's in this chat right now is on my list. So, you guys are all, you're all taken care of. Um, I'll be sending out an email probably early next week because there's a couple little little things that I want fixed before I, I go sending this out. Otherwise, y'all are just going to be sending me emails saying, hey, it's not doing this thing. I know. Um, we're adding a default location for Shopify. So we still don't support multiple locations um, with managed comics right now. But we're going to add uh, the ability to set a default location for when you do your check-ins. Looking at things, I don't know if Manage Comics will ever fully support multiple locations um, just the way it is. It, it will be able to do a lot of stuff on the Manage Comics side, but it's when we communicate that information over to Shopify. Um, just in some tests we've done, trying to send it to multiple locations causes failures more times than it causes non-failures. Um, so yeah, until Shopify gets their API sorted out, I don't think we would do multiple locations, but it's pretty easy for you to change inventory locations, um, once you're in Shopify. So, um, you do transfers and yeah, for sure. And you can sort by recently updated and, and that kind of stuff as well. Um, we are adding a whole ton of auditing options to pre-orders so that you can see exactly when a pre-order was placed, whether it was placed by the customer or by an admin, um, when the pre-order was accepted, when the pre-order was approved, all that stuff with dates are going to be there um, in the next couple of weeks. Uh, Dal from Challengers pointed out a accidental shortage um, thing that we realized was had to do with dates and the way we were calculating dates. Um, so we've got a fix for that. It's super complicated, so it's going to take a little bit longer than I had hoped. But yeah, um, Tross and I literally spent two hours on the phone last night walking through all the different ways that the, um, that the date needs to be calculated. I think it also led to us realizing that we're going to create a kind of a screen after the pulls for shortages 
and say, okay, you've got these shortages. What do you want to do with them? Do you want to um, completely not ever give that person that thing? Do you want to give it to Bob Jones and Sammy Hagar, but not, you know, whomever? Um, I think that'll that'll be something we'll do in a few weeks. And we've also got tons of Geek Fetch updates that we're working on, including new UPC and ISPN rules that will make our data management um, easier. If you look at that list, the bottom half of that list is all stuff for Ivan and I, but it benefits stores because we'll be able to manage the data a lot better and, and uh, solve some problems. Find the errors before they become a bigger error. Yeah, and we're just noticing um, real problems with A and B covers lately um, that we want to be able to, to nip in the bud like five minutes after the catalog information gets into us instead of, you know, two weeks later. Yeah. Or when um, they switch things, we can be on top of it as soon as they switch it, hopefully. Danica says, I can't tell you how excited I am about the pre-order update. Um, Patrick says that Dal sounds like a fake name. And personally, I would give Sammy Hagar any book he wanted before anyone else in our club, me included. <laughs> Oh, Patrick, that's why you can't drive 55. All right. I think on that terrible joke. Yeah. Uh, so next time on Meanwhile, Ivan and I are going to deep dive into a couple of sketched um, columns that uh, are out there. And we're going to try and keep it at a tight 30, Ivan. Tight 30. We're at, we're Sorry, at 56 man. minutes uh, now. I know. I, I just I couldn't stop. <laughs> so yeah we'll uh there, there's a couple of uh really good columns on sketch.com about um kind of the 2022 in review and uh james tinian uh did an interview about the state of of 2023 patrick says i love david harper so yeah david harper wrote uh the the stuff on sketch.com i think that's gonna do it for us this week Does that sound good to you all right, let's do it. All right. Well, in the meantime and in between times, as we say this week and every week, keep selling comics and we will see you next week. Bye.